0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana and I am pleased to welcome back my friend Eamon Sullivan, all the way from Dublin, Ireland. Eamon, how are you? Welcome back. Hey,
1: Dana. yeah, I'm good. Thanks, thanks for inviting me back.
0: Absolutely, Glad man. Th- thanks for doing it. So, last time you were on was about a week ago. And I'd be kind of curious to see, uh, I guess we're gonna do this at least once a week during this whole situation. So what is life like for you on Friday, April the 3rd in Dublin right now?
1: Yeah, today it's it's getting it's getting boring now, right? I mean, fuck. Like, last week when I was talking to you, you know we were going through that phase where kind, we we're probably kind of over it, but we we're still kind of talking about the viral content that'd been going around, you know, and talking about, Being well exercised and, you know, feeling healthier. But now it's we've done a full week of sitting around, right? So every day getting up. like I I have a lot of reading to do, a lot of reading to catch up on. So, you know, I'll sit with my wife. My wife has her whole work set up at home. And I'll sit with her for a while and a few hours and I'll try and read. I'll read... The, the big trouble is the phone, right? So having the phone close to me at all is a nightmare, so it distracts you. But I'll try and get some reading done, and then I'll try, I actually do a list every day, and uh, I try and watch one or two movies every day. The movies have been great. But um, but here in Ireland, yeah, since I was talking to you last, they, um, they announced a full lockdown. So this is what I was asking you before. Like, what does the lockdown mean to you, sorry? Because you are calling it to stay in place. Stay in place. Uh,
0: yeah, the shelter in place.
1: Shelter in place. Yeah, we had yeah. this conversation last. Week. But um, so here they've called it a full lockdown. But they keep they keep open the ante, like saying, okay, so now it's a it's a full lockdown. So the, what that means is uh, no exercise. Or sorry, you can only exercise within two kilometers of your home, which is about a mile and two quarters three quarters right um you can only be out with two people so and only if it's somebody that you live with right so your wife or your partner or whatever or your kids one of your kids Um, you all the shops all non-essential commerce had to shut down right so and that included like hardware and stuff because for a long time there was like big long queues outside hardware stores um hardware shops and you know, like even builders, providers, you know, a piece of people would be at home. So they say, well, I'll get some gardening done or I'll get some painting done that I hadn't gotten done. You know, so they were doing really good business. But even that all shut down. If you're on the street, apparently this was so this is all announced last Friday night at, at, ten, at eight o'clock. And it was to kick in at 12 o'clock last, last or 12 o'clock Saturday morning, Friday night. And, you know, the next morning, everyone was like, oh, my God, like we can't leave. We literally can't. You're not to leave your house. They want everybody to stay home. And again, only excuse to be out is going for medicine, going to work in a sanctioned workplace or going to, for, yeah, I said medicine, going to, for food, for food, groceries. But, um, I mean, just it's just not, people aren't paying it. Like, you know, if you look out there, I was out just now, I brought my dog for a walk. But there's, there's still kids hanging around and there's, I had to drive this morning to get some, I, I drive a taxi, right? So, Taxis are deemed uh, essential workplace, right? So, because we need to bring uh, healthcare staff to work and stuff in the middle of the night, so I'm allowed on the roads. And I, I did imagine that that would be a thing, but like, you've, I've, heard, I've seen so anecdotal evidence of people getting stopped and stuff, but it's really just not, you know. So they they keep saying every few, right? So we're going to ramp it up even more now. The lived experience, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just the same as it was last week, you know. So, the, the, the only thing is, I'll say, is that the numbers are staying relatively low. But there's an argument to, about, like, the testing. So, you know, the WHO, the World Health Organization, said, like, the way to beat this is test as many people as you can. Test, 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 you know, trace, like, if so, if you are found to have us, we'll find out all the people you've been in contact with and put them in quarantine and stuff. But here... I mean, they said last week that they were testing 5,000 a day. I mean, it's nothing compared to what's happening in in America, but we've got a small population, so 5,000 a day. But it turns out that they're actually only, like they're taking 5,000 swabs a day, but they're actually only testing 1,500 a day. Yeah. Or usually getting through 1,500 every day. So it takes them three days, so they test you today, and the results come out in three days' time. So every day you end up with 3,500 backlog, and that's building up and building up. Every single day. Um, So we keep getting a consistent number of, you know, positive cases, positive tests. But if they're only testing the same amount a day, it kind of seems logical enough. I'm not a statistician, but it seems logical enough that they're going to come up with... The same amount. So, all the, the week before last, it was kind of coming in 200 a day, 200 a day, and it was seeming. And every so often, there'd be an outlier, and you get 300, and you'd be like, oh my God, it's going up. And then it would it'd fall back. And then this week, we're just finishing, it was kind of running around 300 a day, 300 a day. And it didn't go much higher than that. But then in the last two days, it's 400 a day. Yeah. So our numbers are s- somewhere between three and four thousand at the moment. We've had about ninety deaths, but the 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 median age of everybody that's dying is really old. It's like ninety. I think yesterday was the average age of person that died. So, I mean, apart from not being able to go to work, I mean, we have been deemed essential commerce as taxi drivers, but there's just no work because there's no people out there. So we just I, I haven't been working. And um, so apart from that. Apart from us all being stuck in the house here together, myself, my wife, and my two kids, the, the, this whole coronavirus thing isn't really having. <laughs> well, it reminds me of of that line about you know what did the Romans ever do for us? Well, apart from everything, they didn't really do anything. <laughs> so, apart from all of that stuff, that it's the sort of, it, it, it just doesn't feel like we're really suffering. That's my point. You know, here in Dublin, as somebody who has their own home and you know, who has enough money to make ends meet and I'm not under pressure to, to make rent or whatever. No, things, are, things are okay. It's just getting bored. That's it.
0: Yeah. Since yeah. The last
1: now, what about for you guys? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, since the last time I talked to you, Florida was one of the states that hadn't issued the stay-at-home order. It was, uh, I think there had been about 30 states that had mandated their citizens have to stay home except for going out for essential services. And very similar to what you just explained as far as you're allowed to go out to exercise, but, you know, you've got to, you know, keep to yourself six feet or, you know, two meters for for our European listeners. You know, that's just the thing is, so, two days ago, the governor DeSantis here in Florida, finally, after succumbing to mounting pressure, I mean, mounting pressure to issue this stay-at-home order because we have the third largest population of all the states in the United States he announced it and it went into effect at midnight last night so what does that mean for 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 me for example nothing nothing changes i mentioned before I've been laid off I've been sitting at home now for two weeks I go out to go to the grocery store gone two or three times I mean that's it so nothing really changes for me but now a lot of other businesses have shut down Your, your barber shops, your, you know, retail stores, all of that has now shut down. Because for a while there, I mean, you could you could still go get a tattoo if you wanted to. I mean, the, all those businesses were still open. So, they've all been shut down. We got a message from uh, the county sheriff. Because here in America, we have sheriffs that 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 are in charge of the law enforcement in the county. And he did this five-minute, very good five-minute long Facebook video sort of explaining, you know, the do's and don'ts of what a stay-at-home order is. And it's basically, you know, go to the grocery store. If you're going to go to the grocery store, keep distance from people. Otherwise, just stay home. That's it. Yep. Stay home. If you want to go out and exercise, go out and exercise. But do it by yourself if possible. Now, having said all that, and I'm going to get into a little bit of trouble for... Say- no, I'm not going to get into a little bit of trouble. I'm going to tell you something that's really bothering me. And I live... In a a, controversy con-
1: day, a little, little bit of A little bit
0: of controversy. I live across the street from a very large church. They have been doing outdoor services for the past couple of Sundays where they're asking people to stay in their cars and they've set up a big stage with with uh, big speakers. It's like a music festival as far as the, the stage setup. And it, they're getting 50, 60 people out there at a time. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm, most of the churches in this area here have gone to online services where they're streaming the services. There's a couple churches that are doing these outdoor services. And I look and I see these cars and they're all parked within a couple feet of each other. And they all have their windows down. And it just seems like a big congregation of people that are not keeping that six feet social distancing. And it's just, it's right across the street from my house and I, 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 I don't know what to do. Now, granted, when they get the service going, my windows are rattling. I mentioned it sounds like a a music festival. I I just don't know what to say because uh, I'm all for everybody's freedom to practice whatever religion they want. And I think that's great that people are, that churches are doing the online services, but these these ones where they're still doing the outside gatherings, I I just, I don't know if that's a smart idea. And it's stressing me out because it's across the street from my house.
1: Yeah, well, as long as you don't come into direct contact with those people, you should be okay. But it's the whole idea of, so even if one of, I don't know how close they're getting, but imagine if one or two of them have it and they, everyone else or a couple of them contract it, you know, even though you're not in direct contact with them that day, I mean, this thing spreads so yeah. much that you just don't know. They could bump into somebody. They could be in the supermarket um, just before you. You could you could catch something that way, you know, because this is the point with the, exactly. with the low social interaction. It's, did you see? There was a thing on social media last week. It was about um, the beaches in Florida. Did you see it? They did a heat map of the phones. So it's like satellite imaging. And each phone that was on the beach during spring break had like a a light, like a a bright light represented each phone. So when it concentrated, it's like looking at a map of a city. So you just see all these really bright lights. But after they they tracked it after over a couple of days and you could see those lights spread across America. So even though you've got a few thousand people on a beach in Florida somewhere, within a couple of days, all those people went home and they spread all across America. Oh, yeah. And you can imagine as each one of those, if they're all congregating on a beach together and there's a few thousand of them and they're all really close. And we know how infectious this uh, coronavirus, this COVID-19 is. And, and so you might think, sure, what does it matter to me if I'm in Arizona and they're on a beach, but they, they just spread, you know. They yeah. and then as each one of them comes into contact with somebody, and it all spreads exponentially. I mean, it you know the, the individual actions that people take, they do have repercussions for the, the rest of society. Like you know, it's 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 that serious. It, it is, is that serious. And it, but there's a big thing here now. I mean, we talked about it last week about you know people, um, you know the Twitterati like you know um, shaming people's behaviour you know watching each other's behaviour and I'm just not sure and I'm not saying that this is what you're doing right but I'm not sure it almost feels like people are looking out now For somebody to complain about. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. So I'm out running. I go out running a couple, three or four times a week. And and maybe because I'm running now, I'm kind of hyper aware of this. But this woman did an article for one of our papers yesterday. And she was basically saying that selfish joggers are putting us all (laughs) at risk. (laughs) Right? So it's like, fuck me. Like, everybody is looking out for the person that might be putting them over so she said they're sweaty joggers and they're panting and they're running down the road (laughs) and and then someone put up on social media you know joggers need to realise that it's up to them to create distance when they're jogging through the parks and it's like oh my god here we go so now joggers yeah, you know they're going to be the next people, and you know next week who else would it be? And it's like this nation—we're becoming like this nation of curtain twitchers. You know, we're peeping around our curtains well, to uh, to be fair to find somebody to complain about.
0: To be fair, I'm I, I I'm not looking at the church congregation as a nuisance. I look at more I look at more of, it, at more of con- out of concern for their yeah. well being. You know, that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. how I look at it. Now, is the music that's a little okay, loud? Dana, yeah. I'm not
1: judging you. I'm not yeah, judging no. <laughs> <laughs> What's that thing about? You know what they say when music starts sounding old or starts sounding loud? It just means that you're getting old. Yeah,
0: that's exactly you're it. You're a DJ. I
1: mean, yeah. you should be used to that, Dana.
0: Oh, my goodness. So we were, um, God, yeah, no. So, like, I mean, and then that's another thing you said, like, I was working in a restaurant for, for a while there and, you know, I interacted with tons of people and this is why, you know, I've now been home for 14 days now. I still feel fine. I have not had any, uh, any kind of symptoms of any kind whatsoever. I physically feel fine. That being yeah. said, I'm still not going to go visit my mom who's in her 70s right now because I still have to go to the grocery store. I still have to interact with people on an extremely limited basis and I go to the grocery store typically around four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody goes in the morning and oh my Mm. goodness, let me tell you this, when DeSantis made the uh, executive order to go into lockdown, while he was giving that speech, he said, grocery stores are still going to be open, the supply chain is not going to be affected. Apparently, everybody missed that. Because yeah. in within a matter of twenty minutes, the grocery store, which is a mile down the road from my house, looked like it was never gonna be open again. I mean, there were there were people hundreds of people lined up just to get into the place. Yeah. And that happened to me. Yeah, and so you know, but I went. I went yesterday. I went yesterday at four o'clock. It was very sparsely populated in there. Uh, I didn't even have to wait in line at a, a checkout. Like I just, there was people. There were cashiers standing in front of their checkout aisles, saying, "Are you ready? Let's go." And and so, like I have found that going at four o'clock in the afternoon is is a perfect time to go. Now, are they out of most of the essential items? Yeah, but I can still get food. And I and I have another rule. I was telling my girlfriend that I'm not using the shopping cart. I'm just using one of the baskets they give you. And once yeah. i filled my basket up, that's enough. That's enough. I don't need to buy anything more than that because the grocery stores are not closing.
1: Yeah, th- th- it's the truth. Like, you know, like I was telling you, my wife is in shipping and the supply chains, they have, they're not being interrupted, you know. There's, there's plenty of food. There's plenty of, you know, essentials, you know, toiletries, stuff like that. Um, the the biggest problem, actually, so, so last Friday night, our appointment, Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, he announced this thing that you're talking about, right? So, this lockdown. So, Saturday morning, I volunteered to go to the supermarket to get like stuff for lunch and stuff. And very same thing, pulled up outside the shop, and there's a queue. Like, it's like around the car park. So, because yeah, everyone has to create two mirrors between them and the yeah. person in front of them. Yeah. So, I'm like, oh my God. And I wasn't even dressed for it. I was in shorts and it was kind of cold. And I was standing there, <laughs> thinking, this is ridiculous. Why am I here? But actually, the queue wasn't to do necessarily with so many people. It was just because they were only letting so many people into the, sh- into the shop at the same time. Cause once you got in, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I just breezed around, picked up whatever I need. And I was in and out within 10 or 15 minutes. It was just the queue pack because they were doing one in one out type of deal, you know? So it wasn't, uh, it looked like, Oh my God, we're going to be here all day, but actually it was quite quick. But, uh, yeah, there was, there was all sorts of sort of jokes going around. My, my mate's wife, uh, Amanda, if you're listening, she was slagging off everybody for being in she on Instagram and stuff. She's slagging off everyone for being in these queues, and I was like, "Hey, hey, fuck you!" I was in one of them queues, but it wasn't. It wasn't like because I felt like the shop was selling out. It was because like I needed to get like just bread for lunch, yeah, and and you know, and I think I think there was a lot of that, like associating the long queue with oh, people are panic buying. But actually, you couldn't but be in a long queue because of the distancing requirements, you know. I think um, something that's starting to worry me more than sort of panic buying, I don't think that's really a feature anymore here. But it's the prices of stuff is starting to go up.
0: Oh, okay. I haven't seen that here yet. Yeah.
1: So, you know, I'm talking about essentials like… Hand sanitizer, right? So the shortage of hand sanitizer here—is there a shortage of hand sanitizer over there, here?
0: There, there is no hand sanitizer in America right now. It's gone. Yeah.
1: So, so our um, our like distilleries, you know, where they make whiskey and yeah. gin and stuff, they have repurposed their factories to to produce hand sanitizer because it's mostly just alcohol and gel. But um, so some of our local pharmacies have decided to put up the price, and it's a big price, like you know, so a small bottle. Like a, whatever, a 50 mil bottle of hand sanitizer, which probably would have cost you two euro a couple of weeks ago. They're now charging nine euro oh. for that. Oh, yeah. You know, that sort of stuff. And then I, I was just in a, in a petrol station. You have Circle K over there. You do have oh, Circle oh K. Yeah. So Absolutely. that's
0: here. So I was in Circle K. Let's yesterday. not forget Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Was that in Circle it K? That was a Circle K. Circle K was. That was the really? Circle K. Strange things are afoot outside the Circle K. That's that. Nah, that was.
1: No way. So I only ever actually because I seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when I was fourteen or whatever. But I only ever noticed them when they came here as a as a concern. But like they were selling them for four euros, so I picked up a few bottles. But it's it's just I think I think that stuff is worrying. You know that. People are starting to see an opportunity in the crisis, you know. Do you remember that line from um, The Inside Man, when there's blood on the streets, buy real estate, you know. And that was the lesson from that movie, right, is that, you know, some people are so cruel that they will make lots and lots of money off other people's misery. And there's a bit of that going on, I think, with these companies, you know. They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can make serious cash off people's need to stay safe and well, you know? Yeah. Well, with the,
0: what they've got here, especially here in Florida, they have what's known as the price gouging hotline, which is set up um, because because of hurricane season every year, people are always thinking, things are always on demand. We're always going to see, I mean when there's a hurricane coming i mean you want to talk about there was panic buying and i think the grocery stores are now going to um because they've got signs everywhere on down every aisle limit one item limit two items they should have been doing that during hurricane season that would have made life a little bit easier for everyone but that being said and i don't know if this is a federally mandated but i know in the state of florida they take price gouging extremely serious and so if you're a particular retailer and you're you know, you get reported for selling items way above market value. I mean, they'll come in and shut you down. They won't even give you a warning. So,
1: so you have laws in place against? Them. Oh, yeah.
0: I know no, in the state of Florida, we money. do. Yeah. Cause there's, you see signs everywhere, you know, during crisis and during hurricanes, report price gouging, call this number. And so, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't, you can't get away with that. Now, having said that, You know, I I know, you know, there's a couple shops down the street, uh, you know, convenience stores down the street where the guys probably spiked up the prices a couple bucks here and there, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. But I mean, any real blatant, like what you said, from two euros to nine euros, that wouldn't fly, that shit wouldn't fly here in Florida.
1: Yeah, and that's like nine euros is like right now it's probably like like it's ten dollars yeah for a small fifty ml bottle of hand sanitizer you know one that squash into your fist like yeah. you know that size
0: like
1: that, that that stuff just annoys me you know it annoys me and and the only recourse that people have here is to withdraw their custom after the crisis you know but then people have short memories you know yeah, well, yeah. it's the closest it's the closest. Uh, we call them pharmacies. It's the closest pharmacy, so they'll just go, you know. But but and, and another one that this particular pharmacy actually did—they were selling face masks, like tw- pack of twenty face masks for one hundred and fifty euro.
0: Oh my god!
1: And they're just you know those cotton face masks, like the, the surgical masks, the, mask. the, the single like the use, ones. the one time, yeah, 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 uh, exactly. Yeah, one hundred and fifty euros. Well, and there's a. There's like a Craigslist thing here. It's called Adverts. And there was someone on it selling a thousand of them, a box of a thousand face masks for
0: 1,500. You know, they're they're talking about... Uh, uh trump is talking about i think it's going to come out in today's he's, he's been doing it's so funny the man did three press conferences over the past three years and now he's doing he's done one every day for the out. past 30 days so it's, he's loving it he's he's he's, he's, loving he's, it. he's he's even tweeted about how the ratings have gone up how his ratings have he's gone up
1: one on facebook he's no,
0: <laughs> anyway let's okay <laughs> hold on i don't want to go down that path just yet having said that it's expected that he'll announce as of today and and, and listeners this is a- april 3rd that we're recording this uh it's expected that they're going to pass new cdc guidelines that state that if you're going to go out you need to wear some type of mask or some type of they're even starting to give out instructions on how to make your own homemade mask uh, out of a clean t-shirt you know how yep. to cut it and and put it because they say that if you're going to go out in public you it's recommended that you wear one not and, and they say this doesn't mean that you can stop the social distancing but you this you know, they don't know how many people have this virus let's just be honest they don't and that's, that's, what, the that's, the that's what the mask is for the that's what the mask it's not it's not to prevent you from getting it to prevent you from giving it and that's yeah that's what from what i understand and listeners once again i want to reiterate we're not experts on this subject we are just no. we are just two individuals that have been paying attention day in and day out. And just don't take anything we say as medical advice, please.
1: Yeah. But see that stuff like when you're saying they don't know that there was advice coming out of here last week. They were saying people should just act as if they have it. Yeah. You know, so act as if you have the disease and you don't want to spread it. So, you know, wear a face mask or whatever. But um yeah, I mean, you know, in sort of war torn areas, people learned how to You know make these masks for themselves when it comes to you know breathing in noxious fumes and stuff so i mean it's not a skill that will be will be hard to sort of you know replicate you know but for for now it's just when you see them these people making serious money off simple little things like face masks that that stuff just that that just upsets me you know um did you read that? There was a thing in the Guardian yesterday, and it was Jesus. I read like a spy novel, all right? So apparently, so you know, most of the PPE, the personal protective equipment, is being made in China. Yes, right, You know that. Don't yeah, you? yeah, yeah. I'm losing your hair I think. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that stuff to being made in China, right? So so we bought two hundred and something million worth of this stuff last week. So there was a big deal, and the plane landed in Dublin Airport, and had all the PPE. But apparently, like one of the days this week. There was a plane load of PPE, personal protective equipment, on a runway ready to take off in China, in Beijing. And it became, there, there became a, a bidding war, sort of started while this plane was on the runway. So it was destined for Belgium. And some apparently, like the Guardian article says that there was some Americans were there with caseloads of money, and they paid three times whatever the Belgians had already paid for this plane paid the pilot and and they just diverted the plane to America <laughs> rather than, you know, they just basically stole it and gave the Belgians back their money and said, you know, we're taking three times the amount. And this is a real problem. This is a real strategic problem for countries. Right? Why? Why can't America make its own personal protective equipment? Do you know what I mean? Why isn't Ireland making our own personal protective equipment? Like what, there, there, was a, there was another load of it that was destined for Italy and it landed in the Czech Republic and the Czechs just stole it. Yeah. The Czechs just said, no, 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 we need to impound that. <laughs> and they just, they kept it. They kept and it. There's, there's an international incident between the Czech Republic and Italy. The Turkish government were paid for a lot of stuff uh, by the Italians. So the Italians put in an order, the Turkish took their money, Turkish factory made it, and then the Turkish government banned the export of personal protective equipment. So they basically said, no, 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 we're going to keep all that. You know, it's... It, it's a crazy race now for, for this stuff that's going on all over the world. But it just begs the question, why is this stuff all being produced in one country? You know, why isn't America making its own? Why isn't Ireland making its own? Why isn't Italy making its own? It's not like it's really complicated, you know, stuff to make. It really is just because it's cheaper to make it there. Correct. But it just feels to me like it's a it's a fundamental flaw strategically, especially a country like America, you know, which, you know, it's, and, and between America and China, it last sort of 20 years. It's been a little bit of a tepid Cold War, you know, and yet they've outsourced all of that equipment to, 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 to China. Um, I, I read another one. Actually, he covered it in in that Joe Rogan podcast. Remember a couple of weeks ago, he had some um, disease expert. Yeah. And he was saying, like, basically uh, uh, loads of the antibiotics that the Americans depend on the chemicals used in those antibiotics are all produced in in China. (laughs) So what if, what if the Chinese just decide, you know what, we need to just take care of us now? Yeah. So now there's none of that going to go on. You aren't getting any? Like surely that's, 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 I don't know, it just feels like it's something that shouldn't be happening. It feels like you know, strategy 101, let's make sure that we have sort of s- some essentials that, that are made here. I think the problem is obviously that it's cheaper to get Chinese people, you know, poor Chinese people to make these things. And the justification is Americans or Irish or British or Italian workers demand higher pay. But maybe something's like, you know, they're just worthy of higher pay. You know what I mean? Like if you can't, if your country can't function normally you can't protect your citizens normally without these things. Or well, then maybe, you know, you just got to pay the going rate to have them produced, manufactured in, in your country, you know. Or at
0: the very but, um, least, stockpile, like there's a massive pandemic coming. And and it's not like exactly. the experts the experts have been warning us for years that yeah, we're, we're not exactly. prepared. No one's prepared. And so, but yeah, I mean... Exactly. I guess the, when this is over with, there'll be time to to really take a hard look at, at the failures of many nations, not just America. And I don't want anyone listening to think I'm not pro-American. I'm I'm a proud American. But, you know, many countries have
1: Yeah, have like failed. Ireland is the same. Ireland has, has failed in this respect as well. I mean, we've spent the last 10 years gutting our health service. You know what I mean? Looking for excuses to cut nurses' pay you know and and like our doctors you can't keep irish doctors in the country because they can get paid better elsewhere you know you t- you're telling them they exist in a in a free market economy but then you're forcing nurses to work for pay that they can get better pay elsewhere so they're going to go elsewhere you know so okay. ireland has made their mistakes america all across the west these mistakes are being made you know um so yeah no it's not just an american thing absolutely not no.
0: you know and um you know when this is all over with and let's be honest i don't know when this is over with things change day to day i mean every everything changes every day like i i uh, right now i'm i'm thankful that i've got electricity internet air conditioning food you know those are you know a, f- a couple of those things i can live without uh, li- live without you know i still have a, i still have a working smartphone so you know but yeah i don't know how long this goes on for but the million dollar question is, when this is over and we get back to whatever the new normal will be, because let's face it, this is a historic moment that we're all living through and this will fundamentally change a lot of aspects in our life for a very long time. If you look at 9-11, that fundamentally changed the world. That singular singular incident that happened changed the world. And I can assure you, if history is any indicator, this will fundamentally change the world. I don't know how and I don't know exactly, you know, what what changes will happen, but it will. And I wonder if some of the things you just mentioned about, you know, countries taking responsibility to ensure that when this happens again, because – it will happen again. It may not be COVID-19, but it will happen again. It seems to happen yeah. every 10 years. SARS, MERS, yeah. H1N1, I mean, these things, they, they, they happen. Will we finally wake up and say, all right, we've got to make sure we never put ourselves in this situation again
1: but i think that they will actually i think there will be lessons learned from this like everyone keeps talking about south korea as if you know they had the magic wand right so they had they had them they came up with the best strategy and everyone needs to emulate that and our government tries to pretend that we're going for that model but actually we're not because in south korea they can take a, t- a temperature test of you walking into a nightclub or whatever they can they they track your phone so if you're found to have had it they can go into your phone find out everybody that you your phone came into contact with or anywhere near and everybody gets put into quarantine but um but everyone thinks oh my god they just came across this strategy really early on so what you were saying about america and south korea getting having this first incident on the same day are pretty close. And America's strategy compared to South Korea's have been shown to be, you know, South Korea's far superior. But actually, South Korea is only behaving the way South Korea is because they learned a lesson from SARS. The, the last outbreaks actually had a really bad effect in South Korea. South Korea, Taiwan and Singapore. Like those are three sort of, you know, dynamic uh, economies in in that part of Asia. and they, they learn their lessons and they're just implementing the lessons that they learned. So I think if this was to happen again, um, you know, countries will be better prepared. Yeah. You know, but, you know, there's a, you know, with the political systems that we have, you know, each government is just concerned about getting reelected. And, you know, if, if it's expedient not to, stockpile that year not to spend a hundred million on you know ppe that particular year because it's an election year and you want to spend money on roads out of a particularly important district you know you just don't know if if those things will happen in five six
0: seven years you know so
1: never never underestimate the ability of politicians to 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 mess things up you know (laughs) that's uh that's, that's how I feel about it. That
0: certainly is one thing that you can always count on. And this is, of course, a major election year here in the United States. Yeah. And they're already scrambling to figure out how they're going to do this election. And we've got uh, the Democrats who are championing the vote by mail measure right now where you've got i think some republicans are championing the online voting which let's all be honest i'd rather do the vote by mail if i want to keep the integrity of the election election in in place i think the uh voting by mail or we we already have that in place here it's called an absentee ballot anyone can vote by mail they can just request an absentee ballot so i think that's what we're probably going to be looking at so
1: you know i was reading today actually that america has never not had an election yeah. um, an election year yeah. like even in 1918 when uh, <laughs> World War One was still raging I think yeah. if, if I think it was just around the towards the end but they still had their election you know yeah. and you guys still had your election in 1918 and um, and then the following year Spanish Flu actually was decimating America it was most more ma- many more Americans were killed from Spanish Flu than were killed from um, World War One but you know, should I should say, well, I think it would have been two years later. I mean Spanish flu was basically did you did you know Spanish flu wasn't named Spanish Flu because it came from Spain?
0: I did not know that, no.
1: There you go. I found this out the other day. So Spanish flu got its name because it actually I think it actually originated in the trenches, right? So it was so sort of unsanitary in those trenches in World War One. And the people like soldiers all came home from World War One with this Spanish flu and they set, spread it around all their countries but because um, the military had such control of the media in their countries because it was just wartime um, Spain was the only one that didn't have sort of state control state monopoly of its media so they were the only ones reporting on this flu pandemic and and uh, so they were the only ones reporting on it. So they named the flu after them. So Spanish flu. actually. <laughs> oh, interesting. It was, yeah, it was press freedom really rather than like where it originated from. But yeah, so the you know two years later, 1920, in America, they still had that election, even though that that I'm not sure if it was actually no. So the thing I was reading today was. While well, World War One was still going on in 1918, the Spanish Flu was also going on, and both of them at the same time. And the Americans still had their 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 their, their presidential election, so um, or their election. I'm not sure it was presidential or midterm in 1918, but they still had their election that year. So um, yeah, this will be a big shift, actually, if they don't have the election this year or if something happens to interrupt it it will be uh, monumental
0: i mean there are rules in the constitution of america about the election so it would take never say never because the the strangest things have happened over the past few years in this country regardless on the in, in regards to the political landscape but having said that it would take a unified act by the House, the Senate, and the uh, executive branch to change the election. And uh, that is not unified. The House and the Senate Mm. are not unified. So, it will more or less, I think the argument, the fight will come down to how Americans will cast their ballot if we still find ourselves in this situation come November. So, But I, I, I cannot see a scenario where they postpone the election. Because like you just said, you just made the case. Like World War One and the Spanish flu were going on. America still voted. So yeah. but again, this is completely uncharted territory for all of us. So uh I'm not gonna firmly say, well that's impossible. That can't happen because I've seen some strange shit happen over the past few years in this country. And I'm not yeah. trying to get political here, but as a as an observer, I've seen some very interesting things go on.
1: Yeah, and that kind of speaks to the, the nature of politics and this this is this, this disease and its impact it's going to have or it's having on sort of the political landscape all around the world because you just don't know you know I mean when when would we ever have imagined like that there's a, even a minuscule prospect of the American America not having its presidential election yeah but like you know so just I mean it's dystopian sort of wonderland stuff but just imagine like just imagine the the polls were going really radically against Trump you know yeah with the president the Republicans having control of the presidency the Supreme Court and the the Senate, you know could they could they sort of just try and have the election put off and then if they did like you know is there any does the government then have legitimacy would the president have legitimacy <sighs> it's crazy stuff yeah you know this is I I read this book actually last year and what it was about was um you know, the changing nature of politics around the world. And they were they, they did this whole by like guy David Ronsman and he did this whole bit about um, the American presidential elections and when Trump won and Hillary didn't immediately come out and acknowledge the defeat. And he was saying that right that moment, those few hours were so precarious for the world. Because like say if the Democrats or so Obama was the Democratic president. And say if they decided to not acknowledge Trump as president, mm. right, and then Trump has won the election, the Electoral College has gone to Trump and so like, what would happen? So then you have military, like the the the, the, the army, um, their pledge to represent the president, or to, or to obey the president, right? The commander in chief is the president. And, like, you know. The, the military is quite political as well. So what if some of them said, well we recognize this president and we recognize that president, like, you know, what the fuck would that mean for the world, you know, if there was like unrest like that in America? So it was Obama, actually. He took the bull by the horns and he came out and he congratulated Obama. i oh, sorry, congratulated Trump because he recognized that if they didn't act really fast, it would create this dynamic where people didn't know who the president of America was. And, yeah. And he recognized the dangers, the dangers to the political system that that represented. So, I mean, could, could coronavirus create the fucking stuff? Like, it's just, it's, it's just mental. that, Like, we, so we have it here, right? So in Ireland, we had an election last month. And so going into the election, the, the party that's sort of still clinging on to power now, they had, say you need 80 seats to get elected here. So they had 50 something and they were propped up with a coalition mixture of other parties and individuals, And they got their asses kicked. Like we always, and since the inception of the state, we've always had a two party system. So like, so effectively would be like the green party coming out of nowhere and getting one third of the vote. Right. So they actually got the most votes, but they got the second most seats. And so that government effectively lost, but they, so we basically have three parties now. All of them on sort of 35, 36 and thirty-seven seats, something like that. And so that government that's in power now—they have no real mandate, and they're only in power now because they can't organise a government between the three parties and the smaller parties and the the independents. So they can So until they organise a government, we have what's called a um, what's the word for like oh, I can't think of, the name of it. But it's basically like a, a, a government until the new one can be formed. So we actually have, the Minister for Children actually lost her seat. So she is not even an elected representative at the moment, and she is the Minister for Children. And, like, so this, these guys are still clinging on to power, still clinging to office. But, like, the, the, the Taoiseach, suppose, is only the head of the third biggest party in the state at the moment. So that's how much this has sort of fucked everything up, even here. Do you know what I mean? So... I mean, and this is just Ireland with 6 million people who basically just depends for all its wealth on foreign direct investment. Like, we have no real industry here. So, you know, nothing that our government, things that happen here don't really matter in the world. Like, European Union, kind of, we're much more sort of dependent on them. Like, they make real sort of international decisions on our base, uh, for us, but on our behalf. But, you know, in America, if stuff like that happened in America, you know, it's just mad and it's just a fucking disease that we can't even see, you know? Yeah. We don't even know. We don't, we have to wear masks, you know, just to prevent it. And, and, and it came from a fucking bat or a pangolin in the middle of sort of nowhere in China. And then it could impact like political systems, like how the world works, like all across the other side of the planet in America. And that could, the impact that that could have, like even just how the economy of the world is going to run all because of a fucking bat or a pangolin like what even is a pangolin it's an aardvark or it's an antir or something but uh yeah it's it's a crazy time then it really
0: is it, it it is and you know one of the things that i've been trying to do with my time besides doing the podcasting you know i'm trying to catch up on a lot of movies i'm trying to watch some series it's a great show i don't know if you watch uh over in ireland's great show on netflix called ozark are you familiar with it
1: I watched the first series and I watched, it was great. <laughs> it was really good, actually. Do you know the, you know the bad guy in it? You know the, he's, everyone's kind of a bit of a bad guy, but you know the guy with the cowboy hat and his wife is crazy as well. Yeah. From the first series. He's yeah. a Scottish actor. Do you, do you he, know I him? did
0: not know that. No, I didn't yeah, know so that. He was in Braveheart. Did you
1: see Braveheart?
0: Oh yeah, of course, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, so, you remember the scene where it's like they're about to have a big battle, and there's two Scottish guys at the front of the crowd. And they're like, "Hey, fuck this! We need to get out." Do you remember that? Scene? Yeah, that's yeah, one of them. that's one
0: of them. Okay, awesome. yeah,
1: he's he's that's him. But um, he's. He's been in a load of films. He was in Trainspotting, and okay. he was in. Uh, he's been in a load of films. He's a. I love him actually, and, and but I've seen that first series, and watched like the first episode of the second series. Oh, but
0: that this was, th- that was this uh, this season three. Ooh, it's taken it to a completely yeah. different level. We're starting to get into Breaking Bad territory, in the sense of, and I'm not going to give any spoilers, but when you sort of look at. The evolution of Jason Bateman's character, Marty Bird, from the first episode of the first season to kind of where, okay, where the family's yeah. progressing by the end of the third season. I mean, now don't get me wrong. In Breaking Bad, Walter White was a mild manner chemistry teacher and you sort of see his, his ascent into, you know, what he becomes. Whereas the beginning of, and this is not a spoiler alert, the beginning of Ozark, the first episode of the first, you know, Marty Bird is already he's already a, a money laundering for the drug yeah. cartel. So, so he's already kind of installed, but where he's at now, you start to see, you're starting to see that, that, that rise. And I, I can't recommend yeah. the show enough. It, it's excellent. I just finished the, the third season last night. It, it's wonderful. So that's something I would strongly recommend.
1: I, yeah. I might, I might actually start cause like my wife started it and she watched a few episodes and I wasn't that interested in it. And I it started to, so I've seen, the first series, but not all of it. I've seen how it ended and stuff, but I didn't see it all. I've seen bits of it. So, yeah, I might give it a proper go. But I love Jason Bateman. Even yeah. just, you know, you know, see him from... Do you remember Valerie when we were kids? That TV show that he was in?
0: Yeah, it, it, it was but Valerie, and then it changed to the Hogan family. They, they changed the title, I think. Did they? I think well, they I did. I remember. Yes. Anyway, Nevada yeah, Valerie, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So he was in that, and then he showed up in Family Toys. You know, he actually his career tracked quite close to, to Michael J. Fox when they were young. And let's not
0: forget pieces together. He, he starred in Teen Wolf Two. Teen Wolf Two. That's right. Yeah, the the yeah, boxing yeah, yeah. the Wolf boxing two. one that no one's ever seen. <laughs> <Except for laughs> I me. seen it, yeah. I seen it the, the
1: team with the father was the, it was became the uncle yeah. in uh, Teen Wolf Two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was the same film. It really it was, was the same film. They just swatched And switched it was it swatched.
0: wasn't oh, Teen yeah. Wolf Two like in TWO, it was Teen Wolf T O O
1: Teen yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. it was, like, I was glad of it, though, as a kid. Like, so that would have been, like, 87, 88, and I yeah. was, like, 11 or 12 then. So, you know, I really wanted to see that film. <laughs> you know, I didn't care that they, we were looking at the the, the the knockdown, Michael J. Fox at the time. I just wanted to see it, you know, because I love Team Wolf so much. Well,
0: I love that. Yeah, it I love the first film. Team Wolf. I, I still, to this day, yeah. watch it. I think I watched it a couple months ago. Love it. Love it. Um, another thing that I, I saw... I watched. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if we. I don't think we mentioned this the last time we were recording, but I saw the gentleman, the new Guy Ritchie film, and
1: oh, what's that? Who's in
0: that? Uh, uh Matthew McConaughey. Uh, your y- y- your guy, Colin. He's he's got a great Colin Colin Farrell. Uh, Colin Farrell. Yeah, he's got a great he's got a great yeah. part in that movie. Really, the gentleman to me is Guy Ritchie trying to go back to. The going back to the well, if you will, the sort of the lock, stock, and two smoking barrels, snatch, rock and roll, and that type of that type of. Yeah. We did we did talk about this last time. I remember bringing it up.
1: But okay. We talked about rock and roll. We didn't go over really much about Richie, yeah, uh, boy.
0: Yeah, but um
1: yeah, I mean those films. Like you, my son hasn't seen them, and I keep telling him to go and watch them. Like rock and roll, uh, the first one, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels, and snatch. Like yeah. they're, they're great film.
0: Well, this that's the thing about the gentleman, fun. yeah. The Gentleman is kind of a return to form in that sense. Mm. It's it's that style of movie. It's definitely, uh, you know, a hard R rated, you know, gangster, British gangster film. And this one I found a little, little easier to digest than say Snatch because I found Snatch was there were so many moving parts to that movie, you know it all does come together at the end. This one was a little bit more uh for me it was a little bit more coherent as far as following the narrative because uh Hugh Grant's character who he's by the way, he's great in this. Uh he okay, is yeah. he is basically narrating a story in the in the film. And I don't want to say anything more than that, but I had a lot of fun. Great characters. Colin Farrell's got just, the, to me, he was my favorite favorite part of the movie. He's not in it enough. So, that should just speak to yeah. how, how much I enjoyed his character. So, if you haven't seen The Gentleman yet, I, I do recommend that one.
1: What was that other Guy Ritchie film with Jason Statham and you know, that's, that's the Pussy one. from The Sopranos? What was that? That was Revolver. That was a film. Revolver, yeah, like I, that was a film that should have been great. Should have been, like I sat down to watch that and I was so excited. And the first half an hour, it's like this prison thing. Do you remember in the chess game? And yeah. It seemed like this is gonna be really good, and then it just gets chaotic. And I, I still don't know what happened in that film. I didn't I
0: finish it, I never finished it. I got about 20 minutes into it and I was just very easily distracted by something else. And I just turned it off and I just never went back to finishing it. And that's yeah, yeah that's rare, but. But
1: he, You know I, what happened to Guy Ritchie though, like he married Madonna and yeah. he just, he d- it just went to his head, yeah. he was just a barman, he was yeah. like, you know, he was like the British version of Quentin Tarantino, he was just working in pubs and uh, he's, you know, he obviously did a bit of writing and ended up doing Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. I'm sure I'm murdering his character arc there, but uh, like, you know, but then he just marries Madonna and they had this big lad loads of property like huge amount of property and i remember there was this dispute they were having because madonna moved to the uk and she was giving out about the press intrusion in the uk and there's this law in america in england that you can basically walk across the countryside that even though people might own the land that you're free to walk across it and she was like really upset at this and there's this big sort of a court i'm sorry to
0: interrupt you it's so interesting you say that because exactly what you're saying is addressed in the gentleman really i'm not about walking across the countryside i don't want to say anything more than that that's so funny I'm like see, as soon as yeah. you're saying that i'm going where why does that sound so familiar oh wait guy Ritchie just brought that up in his latest film okay so
1: well, you're, gonna, you're gonna love maybe this. he's gonna uh, take it maybe he's taking a job at the british establishment that ruined his marriage to madonna yeah.
0: you know i don't
1: know <laughs> but um yeah that, they, they were some great films so what else have you been
0: watching um i watched the hunt yesterday. Now, if you're not familiar with The Hunt, it's a, it's a movie that has garnered a lot of controversy. Um, oh, I do know this. This is the woke version. Yeah, of The Hunger Games. <laughs> the, that's the yeah. way. I, I shouldn't say that I've watched The Hunt. That's, that's not fair. I've watched the first 25 minutes of The Hunt and that's about mm. all I could take. It was just- Who's in it? I, I don't recognize any but any of the actors' names. I mean, I don't re- recognize any any faces on there. Um, I was watching it with my girlfriend. We were watching it Monday night. Actually, I watched the first ten minutes of it. Stopped it. Told her we need to watch this movie. This is batshit crazy because the first ten minutes of it really was like I was I was hooked. I was like this is and really violent and just but over the top. But then. About 20 minutes into it, it it takes that controversial turn where it becomes super political, not in a subtle way, not like subtext, like so blatant and so in your face that I was just like, uh, her. she looked at me and she was just like do we really want to finish watching this? And I'm like, no, I, I, I don't want to finish watching this. And then I was been, you know, keeping up with people's reviews of the films and it's real 50-50. Some people really like it, some people don't like it at all. And I consider myself to be a pretty liberal person. I've always, that's always sort of been my mindset. I'm, I'm the fanaticism that was on display in this movie it was so i just couldn't take it i couldn't i had to stop i had to stop watching it so that's my partial review of the hunt so far is the first 10 minutes you think, <laughs> you think this is going to be like battle royale that great japanese movie like oh okay this is yeah. this is crazy and then it just takes this crazy crazy unnecessary political turn which i the movie had hooked me before it got into the politics and mm. i was so i was so put off by it because we live i live in such a polarizing country that, you know, the movie, I think the movie was genuine, genuinely designed to offend both sides. And I'm not, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm all for, look I, look, I don't want to live in a world where things don't offend me. That's a pretty b- yeah. boring world, in my opinion, you know. But at the same time, from watching it, watching this from a movie standpoint- that was complete it was just completely unnecessary yeah it already hooked me with this premise of these strangers wake up in a field and all of a sudden they're being hunted and it's you know it's the most dangerous game and i, I those movies I always find are really interesting but you just you want to slap me over the back of the head with with the politics and I'm just like i i, I just i want to escape all of that and so that's why I had to stop yeah. watching the movie
1: like I don't know much about the film but like i know that there's some of those bee, American B movies that, do you remember I sent you a picture of one I came across here in and in a, in a, I actually was in America, it was a Brian Bosworth movie and it was a film where I think it's like dystopian but the, the family have this argument about you know why we all need guns, and and it just tell, tells you this on the blur at the back of it. And in the end, the daughter realized, you know, why it was so important that they had
0: guns. You <laughs> yeah. know, I um, remember you said that to I me. Mean, <laughs> you were at a Walmart or yeah. something when you saw that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was in a Walmart in Florida. And I took a. I just read the back of it. Brian Bosworth, he was a thing back in the in the nineties. The boss. Seen his face. Yeah. on the, gun. the boss. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> I
1: read that. But like, so, so we would. You know, people of a certain political sort of persuasion would see that and just laugh at the ridiculousness of it. So then, if people who you know are, are like, I, I, I don't believe I'm a liberal, I'm a lefty, like, but if people who who are of a liberal persuasion then make films who are equally as nonsense to people on that side, well, then how can they expect anything but that sort of reaction? You know what I mean? Like, it's. But let me you I mean, give me one know, example. There's much better ways to make movies with. Um, that's that have a political message without it being so overt you You, yeah
0: exactly you you put it put subtext in you know the movie look spoilers spoilers i'm not going to get into major spoilers like you basically get the gist of it it's a a, these these very rich liberal elites are are hunting you know what they call deplorables you know you know Yeah. yeah and so you know and you start to pick up on that a little bit just based on, you know, the uh, stereotypical characters they try to present as, you know, the sort of the Republican deplorable, if you will. And it's just so overtly like in your face, like that's ridiculous. Okay, stop. But one person- It sounds like the
1: porridge, but backwards. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, and, And so, you know, when one- one person gets killed and right before this person is killed the person that kills him says oh and by the way one more thing climate change is real and then shoots and i'm just oh, like and that's and that Jesus. was the that was the moment right then and there where i said okay i i again i looked at my girlfriend and said we we can stop this like this is the, that's what i'm talking about yeah. like so overtly in your face that it just wasn't necessary you could have had one throwaway line somewhere where somebody mentioned to call him a deplorable or something. One, but it's just it, like it. It's, it's a, it's a, it just sounds. You sounds know, I, I want you to wait because I think it. I think it has a twenty dollars price tag right now to rent or buy VOD because it was one of these theatrically released films that Universal just put out on video on demand because all the movie theaters closed. So I would, I would wait. If you're curious to watch it, I wouldn't spend the 20 pounds on that or or 20 euros on that.
1: uh, Yeah, I might catch it on a flight or something. It doesn't sound like something I'd be paying any sort of money to see, to be honest. But I think I've had a much more exciting week than you um, um, with the stuff that I've been watching, to be honest. You know, I I was telling you, I spent...
0: Go on, I was going to say? No, I was going to say, tell me what you've been watching.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I spent... I listened to your podcast last week where you did the the Terminator retrospective. So you started with Terminator 1 and I listened to that. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go home and watch Terminator 1. And then I decided I checked. So I have, uh, you know, the equivalent of HBO whatever yous have over there, but we have Sky Movies here. So I checked with Sky Movies and I had, I could watch both of them, Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. Oh, sweet. So I watched, I spent the day watching them both. And, uh, God, I didn't realise I loved Terminator 1 and I wasn't expecting Expecting to love it you know but it's a, it's a great film actually you know but because terminator 2 and dark faith and all these films that they've made since they've become so you sort of ubiquitous you know it's like we sort of associate them with the lines so when you go back and watch terminator 1 you thought sort of had to pinch yourself and remember this is a this was the first one. Yeah. Because it feels like Terminator 1 is stealing the lines. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But actually, they all stole the lines from Terminator 1. And, like, I really enjoyed it. The, the car chase scenes and, you know, stuff. Like, in 1984, when they were, they were making those scenes, you know, compared to, like, I watched that Dark Fate and I actually quite enjoyed it. You have to kind of suspend disbelief a lot with it. But, as a film on its own, I actually enjoyed it. But, like the like, Turner won. The dynamic between Michael Bn and Is Bn or Bean, I always
0: either my, or. My I've heard, I've heard both. Here. Yeah, I, I say yeah, Michael Bean. Michael,
1: Michael Bean. Yeah, hit the dynamic between him and and Sarah Connor, um, Linda Hamilton is great actually. You know, but I had a problem actually as well with the idea that someone could fall in love with someone from a photograph, just, it, yeah. it, it feels a bit of a stretch. It feels like a bit of a stretch, but apart from that, I mean, and they only have a tiny bit of time to for the two of them to fall in love, but you really feel it, actually. You really feel that they, they, they do fall in love. Yeah. You know, you know in, a, in an action movie like that, that, that really worked. He actually, you know, he pulled that off, which you, you can imagine them shoehorning that into some other movie and it just feeling like they just did it just to get the scenes in there. But, um, yeah, it was great. But I, so then after I watched, uh, no, sorry, there was one thing I also wanted to say. Right, So you remember the police scene, the, the police station scene when Arnold Schwarzenegger comes in and you talked in the podcast about how Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor, starts to feel safe when she's in the cop station, yeah. right? But it's not just horror, because I remember that film in the 1980s, I probably didn't see 84, I probably seen an 85, but I was a kid, and I was really terrified. Like, I speak as a kid who was terrified of the Michael Jackson thriller video around the same time. So it was quite fearful. But then she's in the police station, and I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Right? She's in the police station, everything's going to be fine. And then, Aaron Schwarzenegger comes in, and he does what he does, and he kills everybody, and that was really visceral. Like, I don't know. Is there a scene where is, I, in my head there was a scene when I seen it of a dog licking up the blood or something? Is that in the movie or is that a,
0: not totally that I can film. recall? Anyway,
1: that. okay. So I, I I was waiting for that when I seen it, but actually, so so that was, was such a heavy scene. And as a kid, you're like, oh god, she's in the police station. And then he comes in and he kills all the police, and it's like, holy shit! Now we're in real trouble. If he can do that, like, what hope have we got with Michael Biehn? So yeah, that was something I wanted to say, you know. And I don't think people like who would have seen other the other terminators would have got that because in the 80s like i think michael was describing it as like that could have been michael myers right that could have been you know one of these jason you know one of these other characters it was done very like that was like it's okay it's okay the cops are here next thing but he just dispatches the cops so now you're like helpless oh my god what are we gonna do but so then i watched terminator 2 and I was all for I told I I really enjoyed Terminator 1 and I said this on Twitter oh my god Terminator 1 was great I haven't seen it in over 20 years maybe even more than 20 years I did always agreed with the idea that Terminator 2 was the better film blah 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 but I'm I'm open to you know I'm going to watch this and be open to the idea that maybe you know maybe people have given Terminator 1 a, a rough ride in the in the comparison and when it was over it's, it's a much more beautiful film like it's much it's obviously it's much higher budget you know and i don't know if people who would go back to that film now would realize how much of a big deal um the t-1000 is that what he was called it yeah it was melting yeah. and shit like that, that those scenes like that that was a big deal like that was huge you remember that scene where he comes up out of the the the, the, the tiles oh um, it, it, it's still to this day 30
0: years later that still looks flawless that scene I know, where he's I coming I, mean, I just watched yeah. it two two, two days
1: ago it's amazing and 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 the the security guard that he kills i was saying to my wife see how it looks so flawless that they did the double part actually he was a twin
0: yeah yeah
1: he was a twin he had his own show later on that guy but um yeah he kills him that that scene but that was showed over and over again you remember like this was groundbreaking yeah yeah uh, uh, CGI, like you know, and we hadn't been used to that stuff at the time, so it was, seemed like it was amazing. So you get all of that and all them the effects and the film and some of the set pieces, like when when he stood in the window of Cyberdyne and he blasts out all the cops. And but apart from that scene, the Cyberdyne Benedict Dyson scene and the and the hospital breakout scene, I just couldn't get away from the idea that they're just the same film. They just repeat yeah. it. They repeat all of the scenes, like even. Like, if you go back and watch Terminator 1, apart from he tears out the guy with the jaw from Cobra's heart, yeah, it's kind of... You, you, and if you were just walking into that film cold, you might know that he was the baddie and Michael Biehn was the goodie, right? So then, same thing. Apart from the fact that they had forecasted it everywhere back in ninety two and whenever when Tim two yeah. came out. You wouldn't have necessarily known that Robert Patrick, like he was in the police outfit. Yeah. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is dressed up as the biker. So they were trying to, you know, make it look like Arnold Schwarzenegger may still be the bad guy. You know, so you didn't know again, you know, you didn't know who was going to be the good guy, who was going to be the bad guy. And you get the same scene, you know, come with me if you want to live. You know, and then the whole thing is basically just one chase movie where, you know, they're getting away from this guy, apart from a couple of diversions. So I think, you know, I think there has to be an argument for Terminator 1 for being, you know, up there with Terminator 2 anyway. But my big point is that the next day I went and watched Alien and Aliens, one after the other. And I have to say, controversially... And I've had this out over the last 24 hours on Twitter and stuff. I think Aliens is a better (laughs) sequel than Terminator 2.
0: You know what? I can't argue that point anymore. I really can't. Now, now it hasn't been released yet, but Mike and I have already recorded our Terminator 2 retrospective episode. I'm just going to hopefully finish editing that today and get that out released as soon as possible. I think this episode that you and I are recording gets released before that one does, because that's nearly a two-hour conversation that him and I had. I've watched Terminator 2 again. And by the way, again, and we mentioned this in that episode, I'm sorry, but that scene where they fly the helicopter underneath the bridge is still unbelievable, still completely unbelievable and completely real. No CGI with that. They really did fly that helicopter underneath the bridge. Okay, that being said, that being said, I think Aliens is James Cameron's best film. So, for me to say that would, for me, if I'm going to make that argument, then I have to say that, yes, the, the Aliens is a better movie than Terminator 2, but I love Terminator 2. But I think, yep. I think, I think looking at everything that James Cameron does right and everything that he does wrong, having said all that, I think Aliens is his best movie. So I'm going to agree with you on that one.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I think I was saying this to you the other night, like, it's actually kind of a bit of a cheat, I think, putting Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Michael Biehn role in Terminator 2, because between Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, we had all the films like Commando, Oh yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. That, that established Arnold Schwarzenegger as, like, this, you know, family favorite action hero. And he can kill everybody, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger can bait anybody. So then we put him, we we go into the, to see this movie and it's like, oh, shit, Arnie's back. We know how much of a badass he is. And now he's back. Like, how are we going to be able to defend him from him now? And next thing, he's like, he's on your side. And as I was thinking about this for the last couple of days, I actually think, you know, the comparison was made between Terminator and um, Halloween, but it, it's actually like putting fucking Wonder Woman defending Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween too. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's perfect. That, that's kind of what they do. Do you know what I mean? And and to be honest, Aliens does it as well. Because like, I'd seen Aliens first when I was a kid. I remember yeah. my dad waking me up one night and saying, come on down, have this amazing film. And I went and watched Aliens. And then it was a while later that I watched Alien. And I remember, like the experience as a kid watching Alien, like, she doesn't even have any guns. She only yeah. has the fire team. I I was the like, same oh, thing. I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't even like it. I was like, oh my God, Like she needs them, what do they call them? The disruptors, you know, those Cannons that they had Attached to them Like She she needs one of them And they don't have it She only has a fire This film is terrible And I realised it That actually So as a young kid I was so terrified Of Arnold Schwarzenegger From Terminator And then he gets to be On our side In Terminator 2 It's like Oh yeah Okay It's okay He's going to mind us You know He's going to protect us Because I was still only Like 13 or 14 When Terminator 2 came out So I was like Oh it's okay It's okay And I think for a lot of people our age, actually, what we're remembering, thinking, "Terminator was so, Terminator Two was so good," is just that like we loved arnold so much you know what i mean he, he yeah. just protected us um, and I, you know, I made that he argument came in, in the mind I, I made that idiot. argument
0: in the well in the in the episode that we recorded that my love of that film the nostalgic factor plays huge into that because exactly. i was 13 years exactly. old my dad took me to see my first r-rated film in the theater which was terminator 2 i mean you couple that in with the groundbreaking special effects but i want to tell you something that There was a real missed opportunity when they were marketing that movie. Because everything you yes, said is correct. Exactly. Everything you said is correct. Because I went back. I had to know. I went back and started watching the the trailers for that movie, the, the original ones. The, we knew. We and knew. We knew. That we knew. Now, when you get to and that, we shouldn't have known. We shouldn't have known because the the reaction the first time yeah. that they meet in the back hallways of that shopping mall and Arnold tells him yeah. to get down that would have been yep. the most mind blowing scene had yeah. we not known. Absolutely. That was a real blunder absolutely. on that one.
1: And and if they tried that today, they wouldn't get away with it no. because spoilers and social media and stuff. But they had an opportunity to do it then and they didn't do it. it. they should have fucking
0: done it. I think, I, th- I, I don't know. I have to do a little bit more research on, I don't know how heavily involved Cameron was in the marketing. Because typically there are mm. companies that cut trailers together. You know, like I don't know how involved in the marketing he was. I want to say which makes no sense to me because arnold at, in 91 was the biggest movie star in the world. Bar that's none. why though. Yeah. That's why
1: they told us that he was a goodie. Yeah. Because they knew we wanted to see him as a good guy. We you know what I mean? Everyone he was a good guy in everything between Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. And so they they knew that that was their selling point. Come and see this film
0: because Ernie is the good well, is the good guy. It, it it was effective, it worked because Terminator yeah, Two was it. was the highest grossing film of nineteen ninety one. So and ninety one on, was it? Yeah, ninety one, yeah. But on that note, I've got I've got to I've got to run. I've got a few things I've got to get. Can I just yeah, say yeah.
1: can I just add in before yeah. we wrap up, right? Vasquez, that yeah. actress. Yes. Like what's her name? Jeanette Goldstein. I can't think of her name. Jeanette Goldstein. So she's the, she's the the Irish mother in the Titanic. Yes, and, and she's, she's also she's the stepmom, the, 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 the foster mom in, in Terminator 2. Yeah. The foster mother Janelle. in Terminator 2. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she was amazing and she like, she's seriously badass in Terminator, or sorry, in Aliens. So, you know, that scene where they wrap it up. Oh,
0: listen, this is a strong, pa- a strong podcast recommendation for the I Was There Too" podcast with, hosted by Mac Orley. He does an interview with Jeanette Goldstein where she talks about her experience experiences working in aliens i mean if you haven't listened to it guys i know you got time stop what you're doing right now it's called i was there too she is a great she's so she's so good in that interview like like i've been trying for a while to try to get her on the show that's how much i enjoyed the interview i was like i've got to talk to her she's hilarious she tells she's a great storyteller so definitely recommend
1: she has a great line when um bill paxton hudson is trying to wind her up saying like they said she, they said they were looking for an alien she saw god he said illegal alien and she signed up you know she has a great line she kind of takes and knocks him off his perch there and she's so good I and mean, vasquez you know that's something that has to be said really quick about cameron's movies like today people even dark fate right i tried to you know woke make female characters like you know the Really important, bit. and you know the men don't come in to save them; they do it all on their own. But like Cameron was doing that, oh, big time. You know what I mean? Ripley Scott was doing that like right. thirty years ago, forty years in nineteen eighty-four. Like Sarah Connor, Michael Biehn is incapacitated. Sarah Connor does the work on her own at the end of that film.
0: Hey, The two you know most know badass I mean? characters in Aliens are Ripley and Vasquez. They're the two most the, exactly. They're the two most badass ones. And the line, the line that I love that Paxton says to her uh when. She's doing the she's doing the pull ups and yeah. and he says, "Hey Vasquez, you ever been accused of being a man?" And she goes, "No, yeah, have you?" you.
1: <laughs> yeah, she is so good. Like yeah. I mean, even the way she leads, the way she's like the the point woman yeah. as they're going in. You know, everyone else is kind of a little bit dodgy, and she's like dying to get in and yeah. kill everybody. Yeah. She doesn't give a shit. She's she's such a great character, Vasquez. I love Vasquez. I was actually surprised that she wasn't a Latina woman when I when i went back years later i was actually watching the titanic about three years ago and i'm looking at them you know the, the character that she plays and i'm like i know that woman from somewhere now where do i know her and i imdb and seen oh my god she's vasquez and then it all just kind of fell into place for me
0: uh how was her accent in we titanic have, i don't remember
1: but i was saying this to you last week you know people don't do great irish no, accents, man, that's so why i don't I imagine asked, yeah. it was any good <laughs> yeah i don't really remember but i bet you it wasn't great <laughs>
0: All right. Listen. On that note, uh, uh, thanks again for joining me. We'll do that. We're going to do this again next week. Uh, stay safe. For what it's worth, enjoy the weekend. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'll
1: enjoy the weekend. Yeah. I'm actually you know, the highlight of our night is I've got to drive about seven miles out of here because this place that does really good takeout Thai food. So my family are sending me off there to get that, and that's that's it. A fucking party time.
0: Yeah. No, listen, uh, for, for, here. for me, uh, listeners, uh, some of you have been checking out our live streams. Um, I'm going to work on trying to get a live stream going tonight, but that's a moot point because this episode's is not going to be released the day it's being recorded. So I don't even know why I said that. So anyway, listen, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Listen. the chocolate. Yeah, exactly. It will editing. It's amazing. All right. Listen, thank, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, we're, we're going to talk real soon. Okay. And my name is Dana Buckler and thank you so much for listening.